Well, I'm delighted to be here with you. The title of the sermon today is called Shelter. Many moons ago, I took a group of adolescent guys on a winter camping trip. We picked a weekend in late, late January and met in the hinterlands of northern Minnesota. And our intent was to camp in tents all weekend long, uh, but we hadn't counted on the weather being as brutal as it turned out to be. When we started our hike to the campsite, the temperature was already 30 degrees below zero. The temperature for that weekend would not get above 10 below zero. And some of you might ask, why did you go? (laughs) And the only answer I have is, we were guys. We are guys. We said we're going to go. We decided to do it. But as we neared the place where we were going to put up our tents, we realized, boy, we really needed better, more secure shelter. Uh, There was only a few of us that were adequately prepared for the brutal, brutal cold. And if we didn't find adequate shelter, we could be in serious trouble. And luckily, we found a nearby cabin part of a boys' club camp. And, uh, And it's nothing more than an uninsulated cabin for children. But as we peered through the windows, we saw that it had beds and it had a small stove. So we broke the lock and made the security of that small cabin our shelter, our refuge from the frigid cold for two days. At any other time, it would not have been my first choice that welcome, that weekend. It felt like the Hilton. By the way, if you keep score on such things, we made things right with the owners of the cabin, I think. And... Uh, <laughs> No, we did. We did. Honest, we did. I we did. I did. I did. Um, a few weeks ago, I was coming back from the burbs, burbs from the city, coming to the burbs from the city, and I was in Hillside when those huge winds and rain came rumbling in. Remember that? I pulled into a Walgreens seeking shelter. I wasn't the only one. There were others who knew what was happening out there and knew that it was bigger than their capacity to handle. We know about shelter. Any port in a storm, sailors are known to say. But not all ports are good for the long haul, are they? Not all shelters are adequate for extended periods of time. Not all shelters can stand up against deep cold and high winds. No. Not any port will do. We know that. For many of us have pulled into ports we thought were safe and secure in our life, but instead instead proved to be unsteady, frail, filled with peril. In the 73rd Psalm, the writer shares part of his journey. And you could start pulling out the Bibles now. He is frustrated and angry. He's been looking around and wondering why people who indulge themselves seem to be happy, and those who obey the rules are getting the short end of the stick. I'm sure we can all relate to that, can't we? Why us? We sometimes say, why not? Why him? Why her? You know, I'm playing by all the rules, and they seem to be getting all the blessings in their life. And we sometimes look at God with disdain and say, all right, where are you, God? 
And it's shades of the older brother in the story of the prodigal. It's the picture of uh, indignation when we think it's righteous. And then that psalmist, out of that place in his life, goes into the sanctuary of the Lord, and he exits a different person, contrite. He confesses to a bitter heart, and out of that confession comes a clear resolve. Let me read it, starting with verse 21 in the 73rd Psalm. When my heart was grieved and my spirit embittered, I was senseless and ignorant. I was a brute beast before you, and yet I am always with you. You hold me by my right hand. You guide me with your counsel, and afterward you take me into glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? And earth has nothing I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Those who are far from you will perish. You destroy all who are unfaithful to you. But as for me, it is good to be near God. I have made the sovereign Lord my refuge, and I will tell of all your deeds. The New Living Translation translates that last verse, but as for me, how good it is to be near God. I have made the sovereign Lord my shelter, and I will tell everyone about the wonderful things you do. So here's today's big question. Do we live in the shelter of the sovereign Lord? And especially when life gets tough, when we're surprised by circumstance, when we're humbled by uncertainty, when we're beaten down and find ourselves scrambling, when life seems unfair, is our first instinct to find shelter in God, to be near Him? Or is the shelter of God only something we talk about here and in our lives is just some kind of abstract concept? Do we seek to be near to God or do we distance ourselves from Him when the road gets tough? Is the shelter of God our, our normal resting place? A few weeks ago, I was at Breakthrough Urban Ministries where I hang out a couple of days a week. It's on the west side of Chicago in a real marginalized neighborhood called East Garfield Park. Arloa Sutter, the founder and executive director, had bad news for the 53 staff people that were assembled. She said that the recession had finally caught up with our ministry, that we were at the edge of our resources and our reserve. And she told the staff that for the second year in a row that there would be no raises. In addition, a couple people, she said, would lose their jobs. No longer would the organization be able to afford matching payments to a 401k plan. And this was hard news, bitter news, for people who live on the edge of a financial precipice in their everyday lives, who don't make a whole lot of money, where raises really count and make a difference. 
And when she was done talking, someone asked if we could pray. And so we did. And I wondered what kind of prayers would be prayed. And what I heard amazed me. The prayers were prayers of great thanksgiving, of praise. Thanking God for where he has worked in the past, how he has met people at point of need always, and how he is already at work in the midst of this bad news. And one man, who I have great admiration for, began to cry and repeatedly said, Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You are so good to us. You are so good to us. In the break that followed, Arloa came up to me and said, what just happened here? I said, Arloa, you just kicked people in the teeth, and now they're thanking God for it. And I thought, how could this be? How could this be? And so I have been thinking about it. And I've come to some conclusions. My friends there were jumping into the arms and shelter of a God they knew intimately. They prayed Scripture, which they knew intimately because they were in the habit of taking in the Word of God, they believed, as the African-American church says often, that God is good all the time. And all the time, God is good. They were able to shout, you know what you're doing, God, we're trusting you, because they've trusted before. It's easy to pray, I'm in your arms now, Jesus, when you've been in the Savior's arms before. Their identity was secure in the refuge of a God who knew them, and they knew him. And their memory was sharp, razor sharp, about the ways God had met them at their point of need previously. That they believed that even though everything is going crazy all around you, that when you are in the arms of God, nothing, nothing, absolutely nothing can harm you. Amen? Amen. And that's why the Apostle Paul could say in Corinthians 2, we will be afflicted, perplexed, struck down, and even persecuted in this life. But affliction doesn't have to crush us. Being perplexed doesn't have to lead to despair. Being persecuted and struck down doesn't mean that we're forsaken or destroyed. Paul believed deep in speed that there is safety in the shelter of the kingdom of God, no matter what else is going on in this deep, wide world of ours. James Bryan Smith is a terrific writer who has written a trilogy of books. And Henry's going to be mad at me in the bookstore because I told him I wasn't going to mention any books. But pretend I didn't, all right? But he's written a a trilogy of books, The Good and Beautiful God, the good and beautiful life, and the good and beautiful community. And he asked people in these books, uh, in his discipleship classes, he says, uh, two questions that are key for understanding the Christian life. And here's the two questions. 
One is, who are you? Who are you? And the second question is, where are you? When I first read those questions, I said, well, well, that's easy. I'm Mike. And I'm reading this in the, the great room of our house. But the answer Smith is looking for is, is much deeper than that. He says what we should be able to say. In order to live life as a disciple of Jesus, we should be able to say something like this. Who are you? I am a child of God. One in whom Christ dwells. And I am living in the unshakable kingdom of God. And there we learn that God is good all the time. And all the time, God is good. Say that with me. I am a child of God. Say it like you mean it. One in whom Christ dwells. And I am living in the unshakable kingdom of God. And there we learn that God is good. All the time. And all the time, God is good. Smith says, and I believe it, when we believe this and live it, many of the things that occupy our thoughts and dreams and cause us stress, strain, and hour after hour after hour after hour of worry begin to dissipate. We can find shelter in God when our identity is intact and our residence secure. When our life gets disrupted, when we're hit with bad news, when we're hit with inconvenience, with a shattered dream or a huge obstacle, we learn a lot about ourselves, don't we? We learn about the habits of our heart. Are are we prone to criticize, to worry? Do we get angry, feel discounted, unappreciated? Do we get mad at God and pull away from relationship with him? Or are we in the habit of seeking the shelter of God and not putting trust in our circumstances? Friends, we can only do that when we are rooted in the fact that Christ dwells in us and that we know that we live in a kingdom that cannot get shaken up. What I witnessed last month were people who had been kicked around a fair amount of their life who had withstood many, a terrible storm. And when the storm hit again, they turned immediately to the shelter of the kingdom of God, where they knew there were no storms. They leaned into the reality of the goodness of God, just as the psalmist did. Lord, you hold me by my right hand. You guide me with your counsel, and afterward you will take me into glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? And earth has nothing I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God, you are the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Those who are far from you will perish. You destroy all who are unfaithful to you. But as for me, the psalmist said, did you hear that when you read it, when, you, when we went through that? It is good to be near God. I have made the sovereign Lord my shelter, and I will tell everyone about the wonderful things that you do. So, 
who are you? Do you really, really believe that Christ dwells in you, that you are a child of God? Is that your identity? Is God proving to be enough? You need nothing else. And friends, where are you? Are you firmly planted in the unshakable kingdom of God where you know fully that God is good all the time? And all the time, God is good. That's where the psalmist landed in the 73rd Psalm. He came back home again. And out of that identity and location, he writes, and I will tell everyone about the wonderful things that you do. And I want to spend a little time with that intriguing statement before we close. And I want to warn you, I'm going to tweak a little bit. I'm going to push, and I'm going to prod a little bit with this, okay? Do I have your permission to do that? No? I'm going to do it anyway. All right. (laughs) Because here's the thing. I think we are more close-lipped about God than is God's desire. You know, I've always felt that if a child from our church would come up to any of us for advice, that we'd be able to guide them, right? I mean, we stand up periodically through the year at baptisms, and and we pledge our lives to help parents grow their children in the Lord. And let's say that child asks you some simple questions. The child, right after the service, comes up to you, sweet little girl boy, and says, would you allow me to watch you for a while? to observe the habits of your life so that I can learn what it means to be close to God. I want to know how you pray, pray so I can learn how to pray. I want to know what you think about so I can learn what you, I should think about. I, I, want, I want to see how you invest your money in the kingdom. I want to see how you use your time. Maybe you could even introduce me to the people you serve and tell me why you do that. Please show me the people in the group with whom you share the deep secrets of your heart and soul. Will you open your Bible to me? Let me read your notes and be challenged by the prayers you've jotted in the margins. I want to learn how to make God my shelter. Show me, the child beseeches, how to trust God in all things, how to be near to him and how best to tell everyone about the wonderful things he continues to do. Would that in any any way be intimidating? I'm sure it would be for many of us. But I don't think it should be. Here's why. When I left the shelter of that uninsulated cabin way back when, I had something to say about it. I could describe it in some detail, and while I was there, I figured out how to get the stove lit lit and the gas lamps on. I learned how to live in that shelter. It became very familiar to me. And when I came back, I told people about it because I had a story to tell. I could describe that weekend shelter and make it come alive in people's imaginations. And the truth of the matter is, is we are not closed-mouthed people. We're not hesitant to talk about our vacation, our sports, our politics, or that brand-new restaurant we stumbled upon. 
And yet we're often closed mouth when it comes to describing the things of God. What would it mean if I couldn't present evidence and description about what it means to live in the shelter of the Most High God? Scripture tells us to always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you, to give the reason for the hope that you have. If a child did indeed come to us and asked about our story, we should be able to tell him in some detail what it means to walk with God, to be near to him in the shelter of his protection. Because all that child would be asking us for is an explanation of how to live the ordinary Christian life. And friends, if we can't do that, or if we won't do that, if we leave it to people like me to do it, if our attitude is such that not me, everybody else can do that kind of thing, or we just feel lost in talking about our faith, then I'd urge you to do something. Cancel your brunch today. Cancel your tea time. Turn off the TV. For you need to schedule an appointment with God for your soul is in peril. Because if you don't have a reason for the hope that is within you, you might not have hope at all. And what's crazy is that you, you might know it. You're here week after week, and you do hear nudges and whispers from God to become more worshipful, to serve more faithfully, to grow in the knowledge and love of the Lord. But other things, if we're honest, are more important than leaning into this great God of the universe. If you can describe the inside of Nordstrom or the 14th hole of your golf course or the plot of your favorite TV TV show or what happened in that dreadful Bears game last night, but have nothing to say about what it means to walk with God, then you are taking a perilous pathway with your life. Now, some of you might be thinking, Mike, are you trying to make me feel guilty? Absolutely not. What I'm trying to say as straight as I can is that the things of God matter and that you matter to God. And God wants you to be his disciple. He wants to bring you into the shelter of his very being, and there he wants to shape you, and it's for a purpose. He wants you to become more and more like him so that, like Jill Briscoe, he can employ you for kingdom purposes and like the psalmist to tell the world of the good things God has done and continues to do. And so if our identity isn't in Christ and we're not living in the shelter of the unshakable kingdom, we should truly shudder. As the psalmist said, those who are far from God perish. 
wherever you are in your journey of faith. And we are all over the place in this church, aren't we? There are people here who are far from God, even though you might have been here for years. There are those of you who once lived with a fire in your belly to know, love, and serve God, but you become seduced by the gods of this age. Or you think you're too old or too outdated. There are some here today that come here just to meet the great God of the Bible. Others of you to be awakened out of your slumbers. Others to be encouraged for your life indeed has the witness of Jesus written all over it. And I just want to say wherever you are, God wants to meet you at your place of need. But he will need to meet you face to face in the sanctuary of your own heart. Friends, please do not hesitate to meet him there. I've been convinced all week as I've been preparing this message that some of you have an appointment with God today. Today. In the next few minutes. And you know it because God is speaking to you right now. The other day I had such an appointment myself. I was on my deck on Monday morning doing a lot of things I usually do on Monday mornings. I was jotting down notes about this sermon, uh, doing some meditation on the 73rd Psalm, reading a wonderful book called The Land in Between by Jeff Mannion. In the background, I remember distinctly that the song, I Can Only Imagine, by Mercy Me, came on. And I could hear it. And then in an instant, I broke down. I just broke down. I began to weep. I began to sob. And I'm not a weeper or a sobber. Only a few times in my life have I done that. It's just not my habit. And in the midst of the sobs, I was crying out to God calling out to him, telling him that I wanted to be near to him. That I was, and I was confessing all those times that I turned my back on his shelter. And all those times I've been rendered relatively mute and testifying to the goodness of God to others. And I don't even know how long it lasted. All I know is this was good for my soul. It was cleansing. And it filled me with both hope and desire. Like the psalmist walked into the sanctuary and walked out a different man. I walked onto my deck one man and walked away another. Perhaps that's the message of today. The psalmist writes as a bitter man, pointing fingers. He meets God in the sanctuary and he is no longer bitter but thoughtful and contrite with renewed purpose and direction. God wants that for you too. No more playing games. My prayer is that today you will desire to move further into the arms of a God who gives us shelter. To remember that you are a child of God, that your identity comes from Jesus who dwells in you, 
and that you are called to live in the unshakable kingdom of God. And it is there. It's there that you will discover that God is good. And all the time, God is good.